cut your hair if you want to be successful. An old page out of the K-State men's basketball playbook <laughs> as of late. Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner in uh, Troy Coverdale across the glass today is Big Steve. Hoping to get Sage back in a couple of days. She's been a little under the weather, but looks sounds like she's getting better. But we continue on with Wildcat Insider as we uh, continue to enjoy what happened on Saturday with the Cats taking down the Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, in Manhattan. The Cats upset the Red Raiders by the final score of 62-51. Now, K-State did something against the Red Raiders that nobody else has really been able to do. Now, if you want to point this at, well, it was Tech's fourth game in eight days, you know, I get that. You know, maybe that did have a part of it. Terrence Shannon was limited, dealing with a back injury. But you know what? They also beat Baylor and KU. So maybe I'm not going to put a whole lot on having to play four games in eight days and uh, one of their best players playing hurt, maybe. Not going to make the biggest deal out of that. But K-State was able to win this game by scoring just 26 points in the first half and shooting 35%. Texas Tech did have an eight-point lead late in that first half, but K-State was hitting some clutch shots. And then in the second half, K-State was even more clutch. With about a minute to go, Mark Smith hits a three-pointer to put K-State up seven points to help seal the deal. The K-State fans were feeling it after that shot. And just a few moments later, we got Sandstorm back. Which, by the way, that whole process just cracks me up, by the way. It goes through a couple of channels to get Sandstorm fired off these days in the Octagon of Doom. But basically, it comes from Gene Taylor. But a couple of uh, a text has to be sent. It's got to be radioed up to the top of Bramlage. It's a whole deal. And it's actually kind of fun to see it play out in person. I've seen it a couple times now. It happened last year against Oklahoma. But K-State, after the halftime break, 50% from the field. They didn't have the best three-point shooting game. But it was, an, it was really an average game, 34%. They were 9 of 26, and 9, hitting 9 in a game, is kind of average for them as well. Big difference is, compared to the TCU game, yes, they did cut their hair, but hitting shots and hitting big shots. And when the other team goes on a run, you respond with a run of your own, and you also put the team away at a clutch time, something they did not do against TCU by hitting three-pointers. And maybe TCU started to fall asleep a little bit couple of very easy plays underneath the hoop led to the victory. And they were scored by, it was a dunk. You had one from Ish, mm-hmm. Masood, and then an easy layup for uh, Selton Miguel. So maybe a little bit of luck went into that as well. But it's okay to be lucky. I mean, to compete, you got to be lucky once in a while, right? Heck, it might be mostly luck anyway sometimes, you, the way those shots were going in. You don't pull off an upset without there being a little bit of luck thrown in for good measure. K-State, I, I, I'm, not, I'm never going to say this team is a bad team. I don't think they were a bad team. I think they deserve a little bit more credit. But really what it's boiled down to, and it's you know the tale as old as time, it's about wins. It's not about close losses. It's clearly about wins. You don't go to postseason play – with close losses. At the end of the day, you know, the committee isn't going to look like, well, you know, K-State did have that close loss in Morgantown. Maybe we will consider them for this or that. That is not a conversation that exists, and it never will. 
It's about wins. K-State to even have a shot to win in a lot of these games have really come down to three guys. Nigel Pack, Mark Smith, and, uh, and Marquise Noel. And it's been awesome to see just Noel and Mark Smith grow. We know what we're getting from Nigel Pack. Nigel is probably, I would put him as the top player when it comes to creating his own shot. He had one play, and I believe it was in the second half, where he had the ball in the corner, east corner, northeast corner of Bramlage, and he's being very well guarded by Texas Tech. But he kind of ran over to the wing a little bit, 180, comes back, creates some space on the baseline, and knocks down a long two. One of the best shots of the game, in my opinion. But you're going to get double figures from Nigel Pack pretty much every time. He's going to knock down some threes as well. Now, Marquise Noel actually early in the year had to go through a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say hate, but uh, maybe a lack of confidence from some out there because they saw some high turnover numbers at first. But Marquise Noel right now is second in the Big 12 in assist-to-turnover ratio. The guy is finding open shooters, and he's also taking away the basketball with some of the most incredible steals I've seen because he just sneaks in there and takes it away. The guys, the opponents don't even see him, I think, because he's so short. But that's using your size to your advantage. And then Mark Smith, Mark Smith, I would say I put him in the category preseason with Marquise Noel. He would go get some rebounds, (laughs) but a spot-up shooter. I threw him in with Ish as spot-up shooters because I saw their film. That's just what they excelled at. They were spot-up shooters, and once in a while they would go get a rebound. But both, I think, Ish and, and, and Mark Smith, yes, they, they've, they'll catch and shoot, but they've also tried to create their own shots. But Mark Smith has been more of a clutch shooter lately, which is awesome to see. But they're now two of the three most trusted players on this team. Going back to last year, Mike McGurr, I would say, was the best player. Close with Nigel, but I would give the advantage to uh, Mike McGurl. He hit some clutch threes against Oklahoma, obviously, but statistically was a little bit better as well. He was just a point under and an average to, to, uh, to Nigel Pack. It was clear, though, if K-State was to get better, Mike McGurl can't be the best player. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's got to come off the bench. He, he, he's... I would say is a much better player as a sixth man type of role. And now he's not he's not in the lineup. Most of this year he has not been in the lineup. He is coming off the bench and he's hitting some good shots there for K-State, but in limited time. It has allowed guys to grow like Mark Smith, Marquise Noel, and uh and Nigel Pack. And I, I really liked the the quote here from um uh Chris Lowry after the game. And it was about the transfers becoming leaders. The number one thing with him is that when he came here, he didn't want to step on toes. You know, he really wanted to try to fit in and just be, you know, I'm going to be Nigel's backup. I'm good with that. And then it became, no, I'm going to play with him. <laughs> and we said, you're going to play with him. And, and I think that he is that guy. But, but Mark Smith's the other guy. Mark Smith is the emotional leader for us. Uh, Mark Smith is the guy. He's the tough guy. He makes all the hustle plays, the loose balls. That's why he's the lead rebounder in the league. And you wouldn't think that that guy would be the leading rebounder, but he is uh, just off effort, energy, enthusiasm. So, you know, the, the transfers have done a great job uh, with leadership with our team. I know K-State is 9-7, and seven, but just to get to that point, and 
hopefully the Cats build off this win against Texas Tech, they'd be in a much – maybe much is not the word, the, the right word to describe this, but it wouldn't be where Casey is at now without Marquise Noel and Mark Smith. But they're putting up numbers they hadn't done prior. I mean, Mark Smith, yes, leading rebounder in the Big 12 right now. He's averaging 8.3 a game. His previous high as a Missouri Tiger was 5.2 a game. But here's the thing. He's not only rebounding, but he also has his second best clip all time as a scorer at 10.5 points a game. His previous high was at Missouri at 11.5 points per game. He's shooting the second best from three ever as in his career. And overall, he's shooting the best in his career right now is Mark Smith at 4.5%, or I'm sorry, 45.5% a game. So K-State is getting the best Mark Smith that college basketball has seen. Marquis Noel is right now averaging 12.5 points a game. It's not his best, but it's not bad. His best is 17 a game, and that goes back two years ago. But his rebounding numbers are the best. His assist numbers are slightly under his best, which was last year. His steals numbers are the best. And I think that's pretty clutch right now is he's averaging two and a half a game. We're probably getting the best Marquise Noel we've seen in college basketball from also also shooting the basketball. And he's right now shooting two-pointers. A short guy shooting two-pointers should not be shooting 52% from inside the arc. And he is right now. One of the things that I chuckled at in listening on Saturday afternoon was Stan Weber talking about uh, mid-range jumpers. And I chuckled because I know what the analytics guys say about mid-range jumpers versus three-pointers. In fact, I work closely with a coach who subscribes to the theory that you're better off taking threes than you are mid-range jumpers. That's the mindset because the percentages don't change. For K-State, mid-range jumpers work because these guys are able to penetrate far enough to get the defense back on its heels momentarily and be able to pull up and knock down a shot. When the percentages are good, that's still a better shot than potentially taking a three all the time, especially when you're not looking for the extra pass on the perimeter. It's working for K-State right now. That's an adjustment, I think, that has been made in this offense. I also think that really you have to give credit to the coaching staff for getting the best out of a guy like Mark Smith. Being able to coach him to the point that he is performing as well as he is. You know, that that I, I really look at him and his career and wonder where guys miss. But sometimes coaches can get locked into such a mindset of what their style should be. Syracuse is always going to be known for Bayheim's matchup zone that he loves to put out there defensively. And it doesn't matter how many times that teams blow that apart of recent vintage, he's still going to stick with that matchup zone because that's what they play. That's his philosophy. And coaches get locked in so easily it seems, to to that mindset. K-State has found ways to adjust to the guys that they brought in and are taking full advantage of what they have, have brought to the table to help build them into better players and, and really turn them into the leaders that they're becoming. 
It sounds like we're praising a lot of a 9-7 and seven team. Just to me, it doesn't feel like they should be at a 9-7 and seven clip right now. They're a few points away from maybe being 11-5, and five, having an extra win in the Big 12. And if they had a couple of more wins and maybe was 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three in the Big 12, we're actually probably feeling a lot different about them than we are now. I like to point out, though, how good a few players have been, but they still need guys to step up. Right now, the five position, just I kind of scratch my head because – Athletic-wise, it didn't seem like they could hold a candle to Texas Tech. I mean, Davion Warren, I'm sorry, Bryson Williams, rather, was just a monster when he was eight feet away from the hoop. And there's really nothing K-State could do other than down the stretch he was missing some layups. And that's another thing. Texas Tech was missing some layups in this game. That goes back to the luck of that game. But K-State has to be more athletic inside the paint. They're going to go small ball for a lot of the rest of this year. It's going to be four guards and a big. And you are going to see what we saw prior, and that's Ish being the four and maybe Davion or Casey Eziegu there being the five. But I think that's going to be a lot more limited now. Now we've seen success, and it's working out a little bit more where K-State has the four guards in the floor and you have the one one big guy. I don't know about Ish anymore. Might have to move him to a three when he cut his hair. He's a lot shorter now than he previously was. I don't know if he's five. I don't know if he's it's, six eight or six two. It's the line out of Fletch, where Chevy Chase as Fletch is dreaming of being the Lakers player instead of Magic Johnson. He's six eight with the afro. By the way, I enjoyed this. Uh, this comment from Mike McGurl on Mark Smith. That was also after the game on you know Marquise Noel. And just to add another thing about Marquise, the way he's grown as a as a uh, a fan favorite, I suppose. You know him shooting the three got him noticed, but I think his defense has made him a fan favorite. And this was uh, Mike McGurl and Mark Smith after the game talking about Marquise Noel and his effort leading to that win. He was everywhere on defense. Uh, they were trying to attack him, and he wasn't going for any of it. He was getting steals, deflections. Seems like he had like ten steals. Plus, he had nine assists for us on offense. So, he, I mean, he was huge. He's the reason. I mean, we're all the reason we won, but we wouldn't have won without him. You know, obviously, you know, going against him every day in practice, Nigel can say the same. He's he's really he really will hound you and you know I think they felt that tonight just he's so crafty just get and he's strong too I don't think people realize how strong he is when he gets underneath you you're really not moving him so and he's one of the fastest so he's 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 tremendous on defense totally agree that K-State I don't think wins without the effort of Marquise Noel and I mentioned this to Wyatt I mean he was scoreless for pretty much do a little bit of math here about for 33 minutes Marquise Noel went Mm -hmm. scoreless and yet his turnovers that he created down the stretch, great passes, there's no doubt about it that led to a K-State victory. Now, I I will say a lot of praising on this team in this segment, and I've really liked what we've seen really all season from Marquise Noel, Mark Smith, Nigel Pack. Obviously, everybody else now needs to kind of reach that level for success. But building off that win against Texas Tech – be honest with you, still kind of crazy worried about this week, and I'll explain why. That's coming up next on Wildcat Insider.
Well, good for K-State. We return to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale with Big Steve across the glass today. Good for K-State. In their first of four just dreaded games on paper, they get a victory. 11-pointer. They take down number, well, they were number 19. Now they're number 18 is Texas Tech, which, you know, poor Tech fans. You know, if they didn't <laughs> lose to K-State, they're probably number 11 or 12, you know. Maybe even better, taking down a couple of top teners. There was uh, a lot of carnage in the top 25 last week. Let's put it that way. But guess what? Still standing in their way is number 23, Texas, number 7, Kansas, and number, I think they're number 6. Now the Baylor Bears after mm-hmm. Baylor just lost a couple of home games. So both uh, both Texas and Kansas, who K-State faces this week, they both go 1-1 one and one last week. Um I think this week can be easily described in six words. It's put up or shut up. It's put up or shut up. Yep, that's six. You you got it. You got it. Remember when we did our preseason uh, run through that uh, that you had come up with the questions yes. for? I don't remember my answers. And I gave you two stretches because you asked what the key stretches were, and I gave you two: non-conference and one conference. This was the week of conference that I had down. Baylor. Kansas, uh, just yeah, the, the, it will, and and UT reversed them. UT tomorrow night, but that this this was the one that I always eyeballed and said that this is going to be the stretch that tells us truly how good this K State basketball team is. Well, yeah, no doubt about it. It's put up or shut up time, no doubt about it. It's where they prove that they belong. Mm-hmm. Now. Am I expecting K-State to win both of these games? No. I wouldn't predict it either. Even predicting one win is a little bit tough. Mitch Palm had K-State by uh, a 39% chance of beating Texas Tech. Well, you know, kind of proving Mitch Palm a little bit wrong. But Mitch Palm did also throw in there that K-State does beat a top 25 team every year. And they do. That streak goes back to the 06-07 season. That's a great stretch and all. But you know what? K-State has still lost five straight to Texas. They've lost five straight to Kansas. You know, this is a time to not only show that you belong this year, it's to show that you've, you're better than a couple of previous teams for K-State that followed the Big 12 championship team. And Texas is no slouch. Yeah, they went 1-1 one one last week and lost to Iowa State, but Texas is still a tough team. And right now the Big 12, I think, I mean, last week was a great example of just how wide open things are right now you know Baylor losing a couple of games who knows what their deal is right now now they're three and two in the big 12 that's their first two losses of the season but you know it's early but now we've already seen kind of everybody beat everybody and K-State is finally starting to get in that mix a little bit but they still have a ton to prove there was there was too many letdowns in non-conference play and when I say letdowns, you know, you obviously draw back to the Marquette game and how just that finish was disappointing, but also Arkansas and Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, two great opportunities to knock off a couple of Power 5 teams, especially Arkansas, who made it, it was an Elite 8 run, right, last mm-hmm. year. And yet you come out so slow in that one that you're trying to claw back the whole game and you made a lot of progress, but it didn't work out in the long run. Illinois had a long run in that game and you're fighting back and it doesn't work out and you lose both those games 72-64. Texas is the flip of that. You get out to a big lead and go into halftime holding that advantage 
only to see it whittled away and disappear in the second half completely. If you can pick up a win on the road, that's huge. If you get out of this weekend and you go one and one and you're able to get to two and five in the Big 12 and you got Baylor on the road, that's obviously tough. But then you can look at Ole Miss, you can look at Oklahoma State, TCU, maybe some winnable games. There's a way to turn things around, but you don't have time to waste. You have very little wiggle room to show that you belong. And Bruce Weber knows that, and this team knows that. The team did a lot of talking last week about how they want to win games for coach because they know what the story is right now. Bruce Weber's had a couple of pretty rough losing seasons where we've had a lot of turnover with transfers. But now it's time to prove, like I said it before, it's time to put up or shut up. That's why this week is so big. And it makes me wonder, you know, that win against Texas Tech, is that going to create a much bigger environment for the Sunflower Showdown on Saturday? Are more people now going to show up because there's that little bit of momentum? It is KU, a top 10 team. We've seen some you know, rough K-State teams beat KU in the past. Why can't they do it this time around? Does the environment get so great? It's something we haven't seen in a couple of years. One of the points that you just brought up, though, uh, in the fact that you don't have a break. And coming off of the game the other day, uh, Mike McGurl made the comment that he had gone in, that, or someone had noted that he had walked into the locker room following the loss to TCU and said, we have 16. Recognizing full well, 16 games. That's what remains on the schedule at this point of the season. 16 games. We have 16. When, you're, when you've got a guy that's a fifth-year senior walking into the locker room and stating that, guys tend to listen to that. They, they're listening to his experience. And I think that that speaks volumes in that, there's a recognition there of what they do have in front of them and what the challenge is from here on out. But it's 16, as they look at it, it's 16 games for them to play better, perform better, and make things happen. They're not focused on what the schedule itself is in terms of who the opponents are. By the way, it's now 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you throw in the Ole Miss game, 13 conference games, and you get at least one in Kansas City. But the, the, the room for error, after you lose four straight in Big 12 play, oh. room for error is minimal. Losing to Baylor is one thing, but you cannot lose to TCU again. You cannot get swept by Oklahoma State. You need to beat Oklahoma this next time around in, uh, in Manhattan after losing in Norman by a possession. The games against teams like that, are absolutely must-wins at this point. And that's why I get a little bit nervous because this could easily just shut down the rest of the year. Like the fans, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they got that win. You lose two games against Texas and Kansas, and they're expected to compete. I am expecting K-State to no doubt about it compete in both of these games and make it is interesting. But after proving one time that you can close out a game and win it, and then you go right back to not being consistent not hitting clutch shots, going cold, not responding off an opponent's run. I mean, you're, you're, you're kaput at that point. I think back to football season and how much mockery there was of Nebraska being able to not, close, not being able to close out games 
and how frustrated the fans were with all of the talk about, well, we're in ball games, they're close ball games. K State basketball right now is in that situation where the fans, doesn't matter how close those games wind up, in their mind, it's still L's. We're not winning those close games. That's where it becomes frustration. That's where it becomes even more apathy, if you will, in, in terms of showing up to games as fans. And and that's where the, the situation, as you get closer to the end of the year, really then becomes interesting to watch in terms of what is the future going to be. That, that, that you're absolutely right that this is a huge stretch. By the way, I, I'm tired of hearing the explanation about you know after a, you know you, you go through a rough stretch in conference play. I'm tired of the line. Well, well, we play in the toughest league in yeah. in yeah. basketball. Yeah. You're stating a fact, but it's only an excuse. I know it's tough. Your job is to recruit, coach, and keep with the pace of the conference. Do you think you know? Those that f- go to the NCAA tournament or you know finish in the top five of the Big Twelve are you know using that excuse. Of course not. They're using it as like, hey, I'm just going to sit back, look at my resume, resume sucker. I beat a- we beat a bunch of these teams. This is where the frustration lies long term with the Kansas State basketball team. I really do believe so because. What you have seen for consistency out of other programs in this conference. And K-State, while under Bruce Weber, has won two conference championships. But what's happened in the years after each of those? They've fallen off the table. They've had to develop again, try and rebuild again. That's where the frustration lies in so many areas for, for fans is that K-State hasn't put themselves in that position to where they're consistently challenging for that conference title as they sh- as they feel they should be. And and that's where you know people look at this situation and begin to become apathetic because okay, yeah, you got another top 25 win. Yeah, okay, and you do that every year, chalk that one up. That's that's the usual but where's the consistency in challenging for that conference title year after year? All right, let's take a break here on Wildcat Insider. We're going to get a weather update from Big Steve here in just a moment, but we're going to try to squeeze in those social media questions we received earlier today. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider continues on K-Man, Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale. What's your uh, handle? Just at Troy Coverdale? That's correct. Simple. Easy to remember. I'm at Mitch the Fort. I'm still trying to get just at Mitch Fortner, but some dude that lives in Texas that has tweeted once in the last two years. Oh, brutal. Is hogging it. I've offered money and uh, no response. <laughs> and it's irritating. Because... At, you know, the fort, you know, that, that feels like it's kind of run its course. You know, the fort doesn't come out as much anymore. That was, you know, the wrestler guy, you know, which, by the way, oh, hey, by the way, I can announce this. I've been booked for a couple of wrestling shows coming up in our area. One's going to be in Harrington, Kansas, and another one either, either in Junction City or Abilene. And that's uh, going to be in uh, February and March. 
wrestling or announcing? Well, you got to show up and find out. You never know. Have I ever wrestled officially? No, I have not. We had the discussion this morning about Buffalo fans and tables, and your name got brought up. Oh, really? That there's video of you. Yes, I have gone through a table. Yes, that has happened before. (laughs) Uh, A friend did an elbow drop from the top of the roof, or I'm sorry, uh, the roof of the uh, garage, and it was perfectly delivered. I know how to take impact like that because I've been trained to do so. As opposed to the videos I was seeing of Buffalo people screwing themselves up medically and having to go to the hospital by jumping on tables because they were drunk out of their minds before the game on Saturday night. Yeah, I heard it wasn't uh, Buffalo was not a safe place for uh, tables on Saturday. Were any of them on fire? Uh, No, not that I know of. If they're on fire, fire, I just imagine they're trying to keep warm. Uh, No, no. They would rather just downright destroy them by jumping through them and in the process destroy their knees or their legs and or other body parts except back then when i was doing all that nonsense it was uh no ring mm-hmm. just ground this setting is is more you know it's a real ring real people in attendance okay you know fake results but you know mm-hmm. typical wrestling right i got you you gonna come mm, we'll see I can get you a discount. <laughs> you know somebody. There's always a beer special at these yeah, events. Yeah, valid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know Big Steve wants to go here. Beer, beer special. He's like, where's it at? Uh-oh. <laughs> Not really a beer guy, more of a hard liquor guy. Oh, well, there's no liquor license, but what's oh. your what's your drink? This is going to sound super basic, but I'm a huge vodka fan. Like not not the cheap stuff, like the really like good stuff. Do you mix it? Sometimes. Sometimes I just drink it straight. Just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Favorite drink with vodka is vodka cranberry. It's not uncommon for wrestlers to you know because usually they're in pretty good shape. Vodka water. Really? Vodka water is the drink. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't. No calories, right? My my you know? my worst nights have been vodka. For me, that's tequila. See, I can do tequila fine. Tequila doesn't doesn't uh, argue with Germans. Vodka vodka is Russia's revenge on Germany. I mean, that's... <laughs> but I tell you what, after these wrestling shows, especially if you do them in smaller towns, and like half the town is there to watch it, once you leave that building, you're, you're king for the day. Sure. Doesn't matter if you're a wrestler, referee, announcer like me, got to pay for a thing all night long. It's taken care of. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, to be honest with you. And then everybody wants to know, like, you know, how'd you get into it? You know, does that really hurt? Is that is that ring really a trampoline? I've heard it all. It's a great time to mess with people. <laughs> really mess up their the the, the expected an, the expected answer. Right. February eighteenth in Harrington, Kansas, is when you can uh, find myself in a ring once again. Okay. Just for the second time in four years. It's been a long time. It's been way too long. I used to do it every two weeks. Oh, geez. All right. I did want to get to a, a Twitter question here. Um, and I thought, you know, it's kind of like that way too early question, right? It's about K-State football. And it's looking at the schedule and like the over-under of what that schedule result could be just by looking at the schedule. Now, this kind of conversation, yes, it is way too early. 
But uh, what a name this is. Big fella double D. Set the over-under at seven and a half next season. I honestly, that I think that's fair. I think that's a fair over-under with the expectations. You're going to have a lot of new faces around really all positions. Uh, nothing is going to be the same. You're going to have a lot of new faces as a backup for Deuce Vaughn. You're going to have a couple of new offensive line. You're going to have a new linebacker in there uh, as a starter. Secondary is going to look a little bit – it's just different all over the place. I think the, the D line is really the only area that you're going to have not too many new faces out there, especially with the returning Eli Huggins. Seven and a half, I think, is fair. Now, I always shoot for the moon on these kind of things and just kind of maybe set it too high. If I were to predict right now – where K-State would be at a 7.5 because you have home games against South Dakota, Missouri, Tulane. And it's also the year you're four home, five away in the Big 12. So keep that in mind. Mm. Now, with that being said, I'm feeling 7-5. and five. So it would be the under. But 7-5, and five I think, is fair. And I also I hope I'm kind of shooting under a little bit, like, it's, uh, like underachieving what I think the Cats will be. I think that that's a solid view of it, especially with quarterback to be sorted out. New offensive coordinator. The things that will need to be looked at as you dig into the season. The worst part about trying to make that prediction, though, comes from trying to understand what other teams are going to have. At this point, we don't know what K-State's going to have in areas. We will learn as we go. That's why they play the game, I mean, to borrow the cliche. And so at this point, it's tough to have a handle on what returners will be in place with the transfers that are taking place and what other changes are going to occur. Does Oklahoma miss a beat with the coaching change or do they pick up momentum again? Oklahoma State, all kinds of questions are going to surround them. Can they repeat what they accomplished this year? Will Baylor's defense be able to find a way to once again carry that ball club? You know, it, that's 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 the tough part about trying to make a prediction this early into it. There are a lot of unknowns that are out there. I think it's also just kind of fun to just look at it the way things stand now. K State has not done recruiting, obviously. The uh, I, I, do, I do believe the the dead period is over. Recruiting is back underway. I, again, I'm I'm so green on recruiting things. I kind of telling tales out of school once in a while it feels like but um the transfer portal is still a big factor Mm -hmm. here who's Mm -hmm. and uh and again like if if k-state wants a decent running back to back up deuce vaughn either go with somebody you already have or maybe try to go to get a freshman there's not many in the transfer portal that wants to back up deuce vaughn no and that is a that's a storyline that probably won't die for a couple of years i would imagine depending if uh, deuce does decide to use an extra year of eligibility. A timeout when we come back this week in the Big 12. A lot of big ones in basketball. That's next. Final time tonight. Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Very interesting week for the Cats. Two top 25 teams. One on the road. One is at home. Texas, number 23 in the country, is one of the worst teams in scoring when it comes to offense, but defensively, they're the best scoring defense in the Big 12. You can basically flip that for the Jayhawks. Best offensive, but they're, they're the worst defensive scoring team 
in the Big 12 by 0.2% after Oklahoma State. So you're going <laughs> to you, you have a mixed bag of what it comes to opponents this weekend for the Cats Complete, or this week. Completely different styles. Completely different styles. Chris Beard loves his defense, does he not? Oh, big time. Yep. Big time. And uh, meanwhile, the Jayhawks are uh, – they are uh, – I mean, they're not terrible defensively, but uh, they could be a lot better. Like, when's the last time you saw a, a KU defensive team last in the Big 12? This is why David McCormick finds himself in the doghouse and then back on the floor and in the doghouse for a bit. So your tip-off times tomorrow night, K-State at Texas – it's 7.30. It's going to be televised on the Longhorn Network. Yeah, I know. Stupid. We all hate it. But that's why we have Wyatt and Stan here on exactly. K-Man beginning at 6.30 with uh, with pregame coverage. And then you have uh, the uh, the K-State men hosting Kansas, 3 o'clock. That's a Big 12 now on ESPN Plus game. But hosting number 7 Kansas at 3 o'clock with pregame underway at 2. Uh, when it comes to the K-State uh, women's basketball team, and they uh, they certainly have their hands full this week. Wednesday is when they host the Kansas Jayhawks, and that's a tip-off time of six thirty. That means pregame at six here on K Man, and then on Sunday they're at or they're hosting rather Oklahoma, the fourteenth ranked team of the country, at one o'clock. If you look at the Big Twelve this weekend or this week rather, one interesting game, and that's coming up on Tuesday. Which, by the way, they're doing that four games on Tuesday, one on Wednesday thing. It's a little annoying how they jam up the Big Twelve like that, but. Uh, it's number 15, Iowa State, and number 18, Texas Tech. Who is going to show right now that they're uh, they're better than their recent stretch? Because Iowa State has started 2-3 and three in the Big 12. That is worrying fans a little bit for the uh, Cyclones. Meanwhile, Texas Tech 3-2 and two in the mm-hmm. Big 12. Who's going to come out of that one unscathed? Uh, meanwhile, also on Tuesday, that's an 8 o'clock tip-off. Also on Tuesday, number 5, Baylor at West Virginia. That's a 4 o'clock tip-off, by the way. On uh, Tuesday, ESPN Plus. ESPN has number seven, Kansas at Oklahoma. And then the Cats in Texas. The one game Wednesday is TCU at Oklahoma State. And, of course, all ten are in action uh, on Saturday. If I were to pick out the big one out of that game, of course, K-State-KU. But other than that, that's a tough pick. But I'm going to go with Baylor at Oklahoma. Ooh. That, Yeah. Could be a good I mean, game. I have Baylor on upset alert with that one. That's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. Troy and DG tomorrow for you. I'm going to head to Topeka for some case to, for some Manhattan girls basketball. Closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMAN.